I'm glad you're here. In today's episode, Jai tells the story about a family he's working with who've been through some trials and tribulations, but they've identified unity as their highest good and the thing that they are working toward. And so they're willing to make some sacrifices and compromises with each other to preserve that union. And I think it's a really great picture of of what we need to do in our country. We have to come together and stop being so against each other so that we can preserve that union. Another thing that we talked about in this episode is curiosity. And I've been thinking lately about historically and currently the things that I'm not allowed to talk about or think about or question. And so I challenge everybody to think about that for themselves and get back to curiosity. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. Don't be afraid to wonder. Hello and welcome to The Deepening Place. I'm here today with Jai. How are you, Jai? I'm doing pretty okay today. How about you? (laughs) Pretty okay? Yeah. (laughs) Are you... One thing I've noticed in in my sessions is people are just done. Like, put a fork in it. Let's let's be done with this. Are you kind of feeling that? I am definitely feeling that. Today I took a nap Mm. for the first time in ages. And that means I am yeah. really tired. Yeah. So what, what's been going on with you? What are you seeing out in your world? Uh, I'm seeing families spending a lot more time together out of necessity. And mm-hmm. in that, there's been a lot of exploration around uh, what's the relationship between me and my child. And I'm seeing this mostly through tutoring clients, but also through just friends with kids. You know, the kids I live near and the families I live near. And... I'm seeing families want to, I guess, close a, cross a bridge that may not have been crossed is a way to say it, or just deepen their connection with their child. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing that a lot. And uh, there's a story that's sort of been at the top of my head and kind of the, the, the talk, like, uh, I guess, shop talk. I'm a new student and this student, you know, he's got a, he's got a successful family. His dad's a professor and owns a, owns a, what they call a world school. And this kid is one of the most disconnected I've ever had. And I find it's, it's kind of ironic. He's, this kid is 15. And a few months ago, he uh, stole his parents' car, flipped it, hurt some people inside of it, tore up a neighborhood, skipped school oh. for like a whole semester. Just a lot of things that meant he was really, really disconnected. His family reached out because of someone else. And I've been working with him for about three weeks now. The whole the dynamics of them are changing as it just in the three weeks I've I've known them and been working with him. And it's reflected a lot of what people I don't work with, you know, just friends um, have been doing with their families. They've they've really they're really taking the time to have me listen to him and guide him in his own way instead of having sort of like a harsher. They could have had a much harsher reaction they've had by far, but they haven't. They've kind of stepped back and found someone like myself on a service like this that allows them to connect. And so I've been just seeing that more. Some families I'm not working with right now because their priority isn't the online school. It's just hanging out with their child during the day. I'm seeing a lot more of that. Families trying to reunite, engage in a way maybe they haven't ever or haven't in a long time. So you, with this kid, are you, are you kind of like a mediator? Like, are you trying to 
bridge the gap between him and his family? Or is it mostly just between you and the kid? Or It's mostly between myself and the kid. The gap with his family is that they're very, uh, in his culture, he's, def- he's a different culture than mine. In his culture, it's very much like, uh, his grand- for example, his grandfather schedules the sessions. And then, you know, I talked to his dad separately from that. And his grandfather was pretty on top of him. I mean, literally over his shoulder for the first few times. And we finally had a conversation with the student in front of his grandfather and his dad while they were in the room. And, you know, I asked, hey, do they make, does that make you uncomfortable? How does that, we sort of explore what that's like. And that would have been maybe two weeks ago. And now we're at the point where their relationship is better because they don't hover over him so much and they're trusting him to handle his life in the way that he needs to. So it's really about the student, but it does go back into some of those family dynamics. So were they historically a lot more strict with him? Thoroughly strict, had a lot of expectations, very heavy expectations as well. His dad, you know, his dad's, his father's school has a new curriculum that's based around his son, my, the student I'm, I'm working with. Um, so the expectations mm. have been very high. Yeah. So is he kind of like the golden child that had all these expectations and now he's kind of like rebelling against that? I think so. You know, um, I won't say his name here, but his name has a powerful meaning in in mm. India, which is his culture. And it's plastered all over, you know, this this curriculum, this really um, <laughs> world reaching curriculum. Yeah. So he can read that. And he's definitely completely not engaged with it. That is so interesting. I just did a video for my Instagram, and it was on the balance of the energy between the great mother and the great father, mm-hmm. and the great father being structure and order, and the great mother being nurture and care. And so when when the energy gets off balance, if there's too much structure and order, there's always a pushback and kind of this rebellion that leads to chaos. So it kind of makes sense that he's pulling away. And when he pull away from structure and order like that, you, you, you sometimes have the undesirable effect of falling off into chaos. That sounds to the T like this young man's experience. Yeah. Clearly a case of pretty extreme rebellion. For young men, especially what he's really saying, he doesn't maybe even know how to say it, but what he's really desiring is to have his life. And maybe his parents or his father is not not ready to give it. And so he's feeling like he has to take it by force in some way, which. Yeah. And for me, the most powerful part is that 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 cultural standard, you know, I know his family is not the only family that operates that way, but they've yeah. been willing to challenge that. Is you know their business whatever his family does it's generational based and they work with other families that operate I would assume virtually identical and they've been willing to challenge that just so he can heal or stop plunging into so much of that chaos. So are you saying that they're kind of like negotiating a deal with him to give him some autonomy or say so? Very much so. Yes, very much so. They've. My service is very much that for for students. It's a bridge between sort of what you were saying, like kind of controlling the, the child and sort of steering their direction and taking that sort of the driver's seat away from the parent and putting the child there. Um, and that's that's the transition. Try to help ease. And that's what they're expecting. That's what we've been doing. That's really beautiful. I hope that 
that works out well for them because, you know, a lot of people just double down on the structure and order side and become more tyrannical. These are the rules. And as long as you're here, you're going to abide by them. And sometimes that can buy you a fragile peace, but ultimately that, that pushback, that rebellion will, will happen. It might be when they go away to school or whatever, but allowing him to ease into taking some ownership of his life and some making some choices. Hopefully it'll be a more peaceful, peaceful time when he does need to leave the house, when it's time for him to go. He'll be set up to do that. Yes. And it ties into something you you said what, that we have covered in, in earlier episodes. Um, mm-hmm. There being a family business, a generational family business, um, the phrase divided we fall, I believe is what you brought up. And for them, I think that's what's really at the heart of it for their for this kid to still be involved in their family. I think that's really what it is, you know, because um, oh. that's sort of the backbone for them. You know, a family business, all these all these sorts of things. What does it mean if, you know, the the next heir can't find a place in this, you know, the next the next child in line? Wow, that's that's super powerful. That's a really great archetypal image because. The great father has to be open to the the son, the younger person. It's like how culture progresses. And when there's too much lockdown or lock-in, say like in a communist country where they're not they're not open to any kind of change or new life, things become stagnant and it always falls apart. So it's really interesting that he is cultivating this proper relationship with the younger generation because if you're not willing to bend at all, it, you'll lose it. It'll go away from you. But if you are open, and then it can become this exchange between wisdom and new knowledge that is mutually beneficial to both of them. Yes. So that's a pretty cool story. Hmm, thanks. It's pretty positive with him. And that's just generally what I've been noticing. Other families reflecting that same revelation in their own different ways. He's just been... Uh, a story at the top of my mind. I like it because I wanted to talk about, you know, we did a couple of episodes ago, an episode called Extreme Belief. And I think I'm just getting more and more annoyed about it. And so I thought maybe I'd tell you how annoyed I am today. Let us know. Yeah, it feels like righteous indignation. And it really does relate to the story that you just told because our extremes of belief keep us separated say, I mean, the easy one is like the far left and the far right. Our absolute inability to make any kind of concessions like you were just talking about with this family are pulling us further and further apart. That phrase you you said, divided we fall. I'm really concerned that that we could be going in that direction. Yeah. That we could be? Yeah, like I wrote a couple of things down one of our founding fathers that I'd never heard of before, but I was looking up the phrase, united we stand. And it was credited to a man named John Dickinson, who's evidently a founding father. I had not heard of him, but he wrote a song called the Liberty Song. And that was the first known use of that phrase, united we stand. And that's in a lot of mottos around the country, but there's another e pluribus unum, out of many, one, the Latin phrase. But this idea of, you know, we have to stick together. We have, 
Well, you know what? We also had an episode on, what was it? Our greatest sin is our refusal to see, and the greatest consequence is a lack of unity. This idea is like scattered throughout our history. It is. Um, and to your point, you think we're headed towards that direction. In my, yeah, in my experience, I'm definitely seeing that. But I do have a hopeful side as well. I'm not sure about you. Um, now that the now that Texas is <laughs> turning back on, however however it's stated, what they say reopening, Texas. Oh uh, yeah, we're about to go into like phase one reopening. I believe so. Yes. Is that I, what you mean? Yes, phase one reopening. But I've seen my, I've seen on certain Facebook groups that I just watched conversations. I've seen unity in there around this reopening that. Normally, a lot of COVID posts in some of these groups are just complete. It's, it's just crossfire, right? And now oh, I see yeah. a lot of unity in terms of whether it's one side like, hey, I believe a lot of us should. Oh, let's go with the reopening. I hope it works. Or some groups are there's a whole lot of unity around. No, I don't think it's time. And as a community, I think I'd rather keep everyone safe. I was not expecting something like a reopening to mm-hmm. sort of calm down some of these Facebook groups. But uh, it has been. The general sort of consensus posting has been we should all maybe think about doing the same thing just as a people. Um, And it's been pretty cool to watch. That's cool. Like working together. Yeah. And people sort of thinking as a community, not not a disrespect to the government, but sort of this is our reality, our and someone that distant may not have the best judgment. So let's just make the decision on our own, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. That is what I'm seeing. Yeah, I like it. That's kind of like in his press briefing just recently, I saw Donald Trump was asked about, I don't know if you saw this, but like Michigan, I think Minnesota, Ohio, and even Austin, Texas had demonstrations and protests this week about, you know, getting everybody back to work and different things like that. And Trump was kind of criticized for supporting that. He had sent out some tweets supporting those people that were protesting. And he said, no, the people have the right to protest if they feel like something's unfair. And so he said, I feel like some of the governors maybe have overstepped their bounds, and it's absolutely appropriate for people to speak out against that if they feel like their rights are, are being infringed on. I kind of I liked that idea that it is up to the people to stand together and say, we don't like this, and that's enough, and it is. We the people. The government for the people, by the people. Yes. And I think we, we forget about that sometimes. So if the government's overstepping, it is absolutely our duty. And so I like what you're saying about the attitude of, okay, let's work together and see if we can get this done. You know, I did see, uh, yeah, I caught a few of those rallies. And I did, keep, I did catch some of what um, Donald Trump said about the governors. I wasn't going to go rally, but... I'm glad people are rallying in that sense, Mm -hmm. if they feel that way. What I'm not glad about is there's definitely a division. There are definitely pockets of people on my Facebook feed that are like, arrest them all. Matter of fact, you know, get the military out there. Don't ever let it happen. Mm -hmm. It's like, have you not seen the Hunger Games? I don't want to live in that. That's that's crazy. What what do you... It's their choice. If they want to be in a big huddle, let people be in a big huddle. Yeah, not excited about seeing people rebel against that. A lot of tattletales in the 
the tattletales always reach out to the government, always make it go away, make it stop, make them behave. Yeah, it's a total lack of accountability. And, you know, if you want to counter protest, all right, go do that. You also show up. Not a fan of that. Just this morning, at H- we went to H-E-B and I saw someone getting a fine for not having their mask on, like the coronavirus mask oh, or whatever. Really? Yeah. Yes, I ha- I didn't think that was a thing. And I mean, there were multiple police cars for just a guy, just a person without a mask on. And as soon as he walked out of the store, he got a fine, I assume, or a lot of police around him. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I heard someone else say that they were at the grocery store and someone showed up without a mask and they just turned him away and said, you can't come in here without a mask. I think that's kind of reasonable if that's the rule. But to call the police and <laughs> yes. all the way. That seems kind of crazy. Just tell the guy don't come in or... Yeah, you're not welcome here. Escort him out. You called the... That's exactly what I said. I'm like, who called the police for this? What (laughs) The police? Yeah. Wasn't a fan of seeing that. I can definitely get the disagreement from the store's perspective. But goodness gracious, the cops. Yeah. Yeah, so the thing about the divided we fall, the truth is we need each other. It's almost like that tension and that flow between the great mother and the great father you can't have just one and if you get too far over into the great mother side you fall over into chaos and then if you overcorrect too much and go the other way it becomes tyranny so too much structure and order we really need each other i don't remember this my in my whole life this having to be so against we are so against each other it's not hey i'm I'm for this, and these are the reasons why. We are against the other side, and I think that's a really, really dangerous way to go about it because eventually we do break off into the extremes of belief. I, uh, sorry, I got lost on um, that one phrase you said there. It really took my brain away. Um, not that <laughs> I love that. No, um, I've really never phrased it that way in terms of it's not that people are standing on their beliefs. They're against someone else's. I don't yeah. know why that resonates so much. That is so true. Wow, that's that's a really harmful way to phrase to phrase your opinion, to phrase your experience. That I think that's the righteous indignation rising up in me. Okay. Is that we are so badly behaved. You can't be against. You have to be for. It starts with you. You get reconciled. You find out what your values are, what's true for you, and then that spreads out to the next person and then the next, and then that's how the world is healed. But we have all these people now that, in the extreme belief we talked about, you're either in complete fear, and so you're running around trying to figure out all the answers, or you've already decided and you've made a judgment about it. In either way, you're not useful because you're not open to allowing any new information in just like we talked about with with the son and father earlier. When you don't allow any new information in, then you don't allow any new life in, and then you just stagnate in your belief. Yeah. Mm. The country's in a crisis moment. Uh, We won't be the same after this, and I think we really have the option of, are we going to grow toward life and a a golden vision or are we going to keep keep fighting amongst ourselves i don't think we really have the luxury to say i don't believe that anymore i'm really tired of hearing people say oh i don't believe that and just dismissing it belief 
is the lazy man's version of the truth. I like that. Mm-hmm. Belief is budget truth. Yeah, like, okay, that sounds good to me. I'm going to go with that group. And they hand you their talking point. You know, if I say something like, well, I think, and then they get inflamed and they start reciting the talking points. <laughs> I had that thought early. I had a thought about this earlier so today, maybe yesterday, in a different context, but about belief versus truth. Yes, that's been very apparent. Uh, it's been very apparent. Some people operate more in beliefs than trying to pursue the truth. Mm-hmm. I've, just, I've just been noticing that. Yeah, belief versus truth. I think it shows up in a lot of different spaces. And how are you saying you've seen it kind of popping up? Especially in the political realm. I go to this community coffee, but it's just a group of people that we meet and we talk about what's going on in Austin and what's important to us and even on a, on a national level. But one day I walked in and there was a lady there that I had never had never met before. As soon as I sat down, she said, oh, are you an activist? Like she was really excited, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know this person, right? She doesn't know me. She doesn't know who I am, but just kind of being like proud to be an activist. And she had the talking points and people like that. They, they There's nothing deeper than the talking points, because if you try to say something that just leads to learning or knowledge or whatever, and I, I don't respond well to the talking points. It just ended in anger. And it did that day because I didn't agree with all the talking points. Yes. Okay. Really, the analogy that I prefer is the wrestling mat. Like, hey, you want to go? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's figure this out. Yeah, so I have something that I think might be true, and you have something that you think might be true, and let's discuss it. Let's let's dig down, and hopefully we both walk away knowing a little bit more than we did when we started. It's not about being right or wrong. Yes, yes. And for me, it's, it's shown up personally in coronavirus. Like, um, So my mom tested positive, well, I don't know, a few weeks ago now at this point, and she tested mm-hmm. positive for it after after it already passed through her system, right? She had already been sick and found out retroactively. She went and got tested because she felt sick. She was in bed for a few days. But I was on like a, a video call with some of my friends. They were talking about, you know, they're scared of, they had some fear around it, getting it. There's some fear around contracting it or something. Um, kind of like believing, you know, it's really horrendous or whatever the case. I was like, no, I'm, I'm personally not super afraid. My mom has had it already and... She made it. She is in like the critical, everything about it. She just had surgery. She's 65. I was like, no, I'm, it's not that I, I disagree with what you're saying. Just my experience so far has been that it's not doom and gloom when it does show up in so many words. But it was sort of a, a belief sort of meets the truth, like my truth. You know, I had an experience yeah. with it already. You know, and it was a receptive. It wasn't a negative conversation. We did not walk away angry from each other at all. It was one of understanding. But it, it does resonate with what you're talking about with someone kind of showing up and saying, I'm an activist or however that woman approached you. What you were sharing is not a label. You weren't, you weren't sharing some, you know, obscure label with them. You were saying, Hey, I have a perspective on that. That's from my real life. Would you like to hear it? And they said, yes, please share. And you did. And they're like, okay, yeah, we understand it a little bit better now. And that's, that's kind of how it's supposed to work. Yeah. It's um, remarkably simple, but still somehow easy to miss. Just being open to someone else's perspective and allowing that to kind of inform you. It doesn't, you don't have to feel threatened about your belief. 
I think your so, experience as well. Yeah. Like just hear someone else's experience. And for me, sometimes it's been, well, that's not mine, but understand how yeah. the truth in my life might actually is impacted by your truth as well. Yeah. I've heard people say before that, you know, no matter who you sit down with, even if it's like a hardened criminal in jail, if you were able to sit down with them and have a conversation with them, you might not walk away agreeing with them or feeling like you have anything in common with them. But most of the time you'll have an aha moment when you can get their perspective. You understand why they are the way they are. Even that leads more toward union instead of demonizing that person or, or believing that you have nothing to learn from them. And that definitely ties right back to the story for me about the student I shared earlier. He has value. Of course, he's acting, you know, that student's acting out, but he, um, his father and grandfather see some value in his perspective now in a lot of ways. Yeah. And they're definitely mending that. Yeah, I love that story. That's awesome that they're, they're working together. It's cool. Yeah, it's been a good experience. I had a, a few ideas about how we can work together as a country. <laughs> what are you thinking? First of all, people have to identify the ways they're being bullied into not thinking. And it's really subtle. Some of those things are if you say, hey, I heard there's Area 51 and there actually might be aliens. You know, I'm just using a big random example. Sure. And somebody labels it conspiracy theory. That's a way people bully you into stop thinking. Anytime you say, hey, what about China or what about Bill Gates or what about this, that, or the other, and someone says, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. If it stops you from thinking, that's a red flag. Mm. I think everybody should research and find information on topics that seem important to them or pique their interest. The other one is just in the religious realm. When I was in the Catholic Church, we would, if somebody wanted to question something or if they said, oh, I'm not sure about that particular part of the belief system, someone would say, oh, you're a cafeteria Catholic. You can't pick and choose. It's all or nothing. Did you ever hear that phrase, cafeteria Catholic? I have not heard cafeteria Catholic, no. <laughs> like, you can't just pick the meat and potatoes. You got to have the whole tray. <laughs> oh, it's not Piccadilly's. Gotcha. Yeah, it's not yeah. Piccadilly's. And there's another religious phrase, uh, heretic or blasphemous. Mm. People shy away or back away from their curiosity because they don't want to be known as a heretic or they don't want to be blasphemous. A current one that's really big right now is the orange man bad theory. <laughs> <laughs> if I say to someone, hey, I think Donald Trump is showing some good leadership in handling this coronavirus and then they come back with orange man bad and then that breaks the ability for us to have a conversation but did you come up with the orange man bad i'm sure i did not but i'll take credit for it <laughs> <laughs> but all jokes aside yeah to your point of absolutely 100 percent. yes i'm in circles where orange man bad is the absolute law and that's yeah, dangerous. Like you cannot it's have so a conversation. Dangerous. No, it's yeah. so dangerous because it's it goes back to the divided we fall. I've said this so many times, and it's not me personally. It doesn't really matter. But in the black community, there's a strong consensus of like 
you support Donald Trump, something's wrong. I think the most prominent example is when Kanye West showed his support early on. And if he didn't follow it, there was so like that was a big conversation. And so fast forward to now, on any sort of group or space, that's still the the status quo. Orange man bad. But the reality is, there's a lot of people from that very community who do not believe in orange man bad. And so you have these divisions in already marginalized communities. And I'm sure it's not just the black community. It's just the one I have yeah. access to. To me, that is terrifying seeing that. You know, some of those spaces I mentioned earlier where I finally saw some unity, those are some of those same spaces um, where people were previously yeah. just fighting nonstop. And finally, there's some sort of unity, um, way less of the orange man, all of that orange man bad sort of thing. <laughs> That's so now accurate. you will not be able to get it out of your head. As humans, curiosity is our superpower. When we can allow ourselves to move beyond fear and judgment, we drop down into this deeper place. And I believe that's like our, you know, where we get great information. Like what I mean by that is like you hear stories of Einstein or maybe Nikola Tesla and they would, you know, work and work and work and work and work. And then they would just have to take a break because their brain was too full and they would go for a walk. And it was a lot of times on those walks or breaks that they would, it would finally all come together for them. That's based in that curiosity. I'm not relying so much on intaking knowledge, but I'm letting it drop down to a place where I can just let it swirl with all that's known and be curious about it and use my imagination to come up with solutions. And so when we're bullied into stopping that curiosity, and we're kind of forced to pick a side or pick a belief, we kind of cut ourselves off from that, that superpower that we have, our curiosity. That's great. Kind of you were saying earlier between the balance, masculine and feminine, I'm not sure how it relates, but to me, I see the curiosity on the same sort of scale, like the absence of curiosity. If it is our superpower, then not, not using it is also equally as dangerous, shutting that side of things off, which is, I think, what you're saying, too. It causes it to be stagnant if you're not curious. Another thing, ultimately what it, what it does, and I see this in couples, like couples counseling. So if that great father and great mother energy is on like that infinity symbol, for people who can't see me swirling my finger around in the air, it's like the sideways figure eight, that infinity symbol. And what happens is there's a tiny point in the middle where the union is. And it's really fragile if you think about the structure. But what happens when people start reversing that flow and going their own way, and they stop considering each other, it just becomes these two circles. And before long, they've drifted so far apart, there's no real hope of reconciliation. That curiosity allows you to turn toward each other and allows you to maintain that flow. So that's why it's so important on an individual level to get curious within our own heart and our relationships with other people to maintain our curiosity and also in relationship to people who have different beliefs than us. If we don't maintain that curiosity and keep wondering and keep searching for the truth, then we are going to be divided and drift far apart and stagnate and in the end, become a casualty of our lack of union. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Divided we fall. Divided we fall. 
You think we're falling right now? I do. I do. Yeah. It's so ironic to me that a lot of the people who are preaching love and acceptance hate Donald Trump with every fiber of their being. And it's just bad. It's just bad energy. It's bad behavior. And you can't hold the space for love and hate that collectively is taking us into some bad places. I'm a little concerned. Yeah. I can see what you see. I can see that because I'm in a lot of those spaces. I'm in those spaces. And I, I agree with you. I really don't have words for it yet. I'm not sure how how love is supposed to be an outcome when you, what you said earlier, you're kind of using, unionized around, this isn't my stance. I'm just against him. You know, the, I'm against yeah. the, I'm against orange man, but a lot of that, I'm not sure how people are reconciling those two in their head. That's, there's a greater cognitive dissonance happening. Yeah. They're, they can't they're be blind. Comfortable. Yeah. Like really blind, really blind. And it's not, ugh, I'm, I find myself curious about what's going to make people curious to start bridging these gaps. Uh, well, the answer to that is my friend Richard Rohr, I've quoted before. I think I've actually used this quote before. Transformation comes through great love or great suffering. We get to choose. Well, there you have it. <laughs> so we're either going to keep going toward division, break apart, civil war, socialism, whatever, you know, we'll go through some great suffering, get back on track again, maybe in a few hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> we could also make the choice to turn toward each other and meet in the middle and have a love revolution. I'm hoping for that one. Likewise, I would not like to see any more. It's just enough. The world needs to come out of that space and more than the world, the U.S. definitely needs to come out of this. We're always sort of combative culture. I'm glad we have sovereignty and freedom here, but right now we're sort of manipulating it. Maybe you said it. To me, it's sort of putting that reality in front of people. We're, we're not immune. We're not We're not immune to grief and strife and warfare and all those things. In fact, we know that's how this place was born and lived for a long time. So I think putting that reality in front of people in a loving way. Yeah, hopefully we'll make that transition before it's too late before it's too late yep i think we've got a while though fortunately everyone's locked up at home for the most part <laughs> so it's going to be pretty hard to get out and fight your neighbor at this point yeah <laughs> although today actually is the anniversary of paul revere's ride no joke yep and that is a great example of people joining together to fight a common enemy and for for us, I think that common enemy is judgment and fear. So hopefully this crisis of the virus will, will lead us to that place where we can see each other again. And like you said, or like we talked about earlier, just starting at home too. It's that simple. That's right. Well, thank you, Jai. Oh, thank you, as always. Yeah, we'll we'll talk soon. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye.